Heavenly Father, we just lift this time up to you right now, Lord, and we thank you for the, the privilege that you give us on Sunday of come to worship you. We thank you that we can worship you, and we do worship you every day. Father, that I ask you that you be with us today, to be with the pastor, to guide him with your spirit as he speaks your word, and let us all hear what you would have us hear, Father. And we praise you and honor you and give you so much thanks for this time, Father, that we live in a country that we can honor you. Thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Now there's no space that his love can't reach There's no place where we can't find peace There's no end to amazing grace Take me in with your arms spread wide Take me in like an orphan child Never let go, never leave my side I am holding on to you I am holding on to you In the middle of the storm I'm holding on, I am Now love like this, oh my God, to find I'm overwhelmed, such a joy divine Love like this sets my heart on fire I am holding on to you I am holding on to you In the middle of the storm I'm holding on, I am. Now this is my resurrection song. This is my hallelujah come. This is why just to you I run. This is my resurrection song. This is my hallelujah come. This is why just to you I run. I am holding on to you. I am holding on to you. In the middle of the storm, I'm holding on. Holding on to you, I am Holding on to you In the middle of the storm I'm holding on, I am In the middle of the storm I'm holding on, I am Holy Spirit, fall on me. Pour 
pour out the oil. Holy Spirit, fall on me. Mm, pour out the oil. Breathe new life into my soul, Lord Jesus. Break apart the stone that's grown so cold. Breathe new life into my soul. Break apart the stone that's grown so cold. Resurrect my heart, bring your light back to my eyes. Reveal the Father's heart, make me whole. Holy Spirit, fall on me. Pour out the oil. Holy Spirit, fall on me. Pour out the oil. Breathe new life into my soul. Break apart the stone that's grown so cold. Breathe new life into my soul. Break apart the stone that's grown so cold. Resurrect my heart, bring your light back to my eyes. Reveal the Father's heart, make me whole. Resurrect my heart, bring your light back to my eyes. Reveal the Father's heart, make me whole. Holy Spirit, fall on me, pour out the oil. Holy Spirit, flow like water through this place. Messiah, come upon us by your grace. Holy Spirit, flow like water through this place. 
Messiah, come upon us by your grace. As we sing, let the lame begin to walk. And as we sing, let the demons run away. And as we sing, let Jesus run away. Oh Lord, we come in Jesus' mighty name. Because we believe. We believe. We believe in the promise of our King. Holy Spirit, flow like water through this place. Yes, thank you, Jesus. Messiah, come upon us by your grace. Sing it with me. Holy Spirit, flow like water through this place. Messiah, come upon us by your grace. And as we sing, let the lame begin to walk. And as we sing, let the cancers dissolve. And as we sing, let the demons run away. Oh Lord, we come in Jesus mighty name and as we sing let the lame begin to walk as we sing let the cancers dissolve and as we sing let the demons run away Oh, Lord, we come in Jesus' mighty name. Because we believe. Yeah, we believe. We believe in the promise of our King. We believe in the promise of our King. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. I believe in the promise of the King. Amen. That's why we come and worship, because God wants to do things in our lives. And we come and we say, thank you, Lord, because you have invited us to all come to the table. Thanksgiving is a great week. It's a great time to remember all the things that God has done in our lives, the blessings, the things that we have. But, you know, the, the idea of coming to the table, just think about that. God's invited everyone to come to his table. And he makes a spread like you can't imagine. You can't imagine. That's what the Bible says. Your eyes and your heart and your understanding, it can't begin to comprehend all the things that God has done. And he has prepared for those Thank who you know Jesus. him. Hallelujah. Man. 
We ought to get excited about it. Every day ought to be Thanksgiving. That's what Mitch says. Lord, help us let every day be like Thanksgiving. Amen. I want to read you a passage out of Psalms 27. And now my head shall be lifted up above my enemies all around me. Therefore, I will offer sacrifices of joy in his tabernacle. And I will sing. Yes, I will sing praises to the Lord. Hear, O Lord, when I cry with my voice. Have mercy also upon me and answer me. And when you said, seek my face, my heart said to you, your face, Lord, I will seek. And I would have lost heart unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait on the Lord. Be of good courage. He shall strengthen your heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. That's the reason we come together to worship the Lord, because we want to allow Him to be God in our lives. We want to give Him the opportunity to come, to dwell in us and dwell in this place so that we can receive what He wants to give to us. His, his arms are open wide, and He's inviting us to come. So, Lord, we will wait on you this morning. We will sing. Our, our voices will exalt you. Today, Lord, we invite you to come. Fill this place with your spirit, Lord. Speak to us, touch us, stir us, change us. Transform us into your image, Lord, from glory to glory as we worship you. Lord, I thank you for what you're going to do today. Thank you for what you're going to do today, Lord. You are here and you are going to speak to us. You're going to touch us. You're going to change us today in your presence. And we are going to worship you now. We're going to lift up our voices and we will sing because you are worthy, Lord God. Yes, Lord, you are worthy. Amen and amen. Let's worship. thirst for you like a desert I'm dry and used and my heart is in need of you now more than before and I dream of you if your presence were all I knew I'd need nothing but more of you So I bring my heart here and say Wash me away Wash me away Come flood my soul Take all that is old And leave me new to Flood over my life Till I'm not satisfied In this life that I know Leave me wanting more And wash me away
I thirst for you Like a desert I'm dry and used And my heart is in need of you Now more than before And I dream of you If your presence were all I knew I'd need nothing but more of you So I bring my heart here and say Wash me away Yes Wash me away Come flood my soul, take all that is old, and leave me new today. Flood over my life, till I'm not satisfied in this life that I know. Leave me wanting more, wash me away. Wash me away Wash me away In this life that I know Leave me wanting more Wash me away I searched the world But it couldn't fill me Man's empty praise Treasures that fade Were never enough And you came along And you put me back together with every desire now satisfied here in your love oh there's nothing better than you there's nothing better than you lord there's nothing nothing is better than you Lysern pray to show you my weakness, my failures and flaws. Lord, you've seen them all, and you still call me friend. Yes, cause the God of the mountain is the God of the valley. And there's not a place your mercy and grace won't find me again. Oh, there's nothing better than you. There's nothing 
better than you lord there's nothing nothing is better than you sing it again hallelujah oh there's nothing better than you there's nothing better than you lord there's nothing nothing is better than you Nothing is better than you. Nothing is better than you. Then you look 
look at this prisoner and say to me, son, stop fighting a fight that's already been won. I am redeemed. You set me free. So I'll shake off these heavy chains, wipe away everything. Well, I'm not who I used to be. I am redeemed. All my life I have been called unworthy. Named by the voice of my shame and regret. But when I hear you whisper, child, lift up your head. I remember, oh God, you're not done with me yet. Oh, hallelujah. Thank you, I am redeemed. You set me free, so I'll shake off these heavy chains, wipe away every stain. Well, I'm not who I used to be. I am redeemed, and I don't have to be that old man inside of me. His day is long dead and gone. I got a new name, a new life. I'm not the same, and a hope that will carry me home. Sing that with me. I don't have to be that old man inside of me. His day is long dead and gone. I got a new name. A new life, I'm not the same, and I hope that will carry me home. I am redeemed. You set me free. So I'll shake off these heavy chains, wipe away every stain. Well, I'm not who I used to be. I am redeemed. I am redeemed. I am redeemed. Redeemed.
Nothing compares to this. What a wonderful name it is. 
Hear the voice of love that's calling. There's a chair that waits for you. And a friend who understands everything you're going through. You keep standing at a distance In the shadow of your shame There's a light of hope that's calling Won't you come and take your place? Bring it all to the table nothing he ain't seen before all your sin all your sorrow and your sadness there's a savior and he calls bring it all to the table he can see the weight you carry And the fear that holds your heart Through the cross you've been forgiven You're accepted as you are Bring it all to the table There's nothing he ain't seen before for all your sorrow, all your bring it all to the table. Yes, thank you, Jesus. Come on in, take your place. There's no one who's turned away. All you sinners, all you saints, come right in and find your grace. Come on in, take your place. There's no one who's turned away. All you sinners, all you saints, come right in and find your grace. Bring it all to the table. nothing he ain't seen before for all your sin all your sorrow and your sadness there's a savior and he calls bring it all to the table all your sin all your sorrow and your sadness there's a savior and he calls Bring it all to the table. Thank you, Lord. Everyone is welcome at your table. There's no one has turned away. Thank you, Lord, for that.
I thank you that you call us, you call us, and you call us, and you keep calling us. Some of us are stubborn and strong-willed and resistant and rebellious, but eventually you won our hearts, Lord, and I thank you because you never gave up on us. You kept calling and calling and calling. And even now, Lord, you call us daily. You're inviting us to come. Regardless of our our failures or our past or our futures or our fears or our doubts, anything. There is not one thing that causes you to change who you are and what you think about us. You love us. You care for us. You never change, Lord. I'm so grateful, Lord, that you love us that way. And you've given us an opportunity to know you as Lord to know you as Savior, to know you as a friend, to know you as the one that never leaves us or forsakes us. To know you, the one that walks with us right through the very worst of everything. Whatever we're going through, you walk through it with us, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for that. Thank you, Lord, for all that you do. Yes. Lord, we lift up those who are traveling this week, this is a, a big holiday. People traveling to go see families and coming home. I pray safety and blessing over them, those in our body and, and everywhere else, Lord, that you'd protect people as they travel. Let it be, let it be a safe travel time. And let, let people come home refreshed, Lord. Those who aren't here today, I pray that they would be refreshed from their their trips, Lord, and those who are here, that we would be refreshed because we're here in your presence. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, we thank you for all that you do. Thank you that that you are always there for us. Thank you, Lord. And I do thank you for our family. I thank you for this family, your people, Lord, that we can have uh, friends and loved ones, people that care for us and support us, people that care about us. Thank you, Lord. That we're not alone. We are not alone. We're never alone because you're with us, but we're not alone mm-hmm. even in this life because we have friends and family, people who love us and care for us. And if there are people in this body, people in this city that don't have someone that loves them and cares for them, Lord, help them to become connected to a group of believers. Because in you, Lord, we are family. We are family in you, and we can all be connected, and we can have that, that family experience by knowing you and knowing one another. Yes. I thank you for that. Well, we invite you to speak to us. We invite you to change us in your presence. Today, Lord, as we, as we worship you, as we call on you, as we talk about your word and discuss what it means to us, Lord, I pray that you would speak to each one of us so that we would go out of here changed. You stir our hearts. Bring conviction where it's necessary. Bring comfort where it's necessary. Bring redemption where it's necessary. And bring deliverance, Lord. Set us free. I don't want to be the same person I've always been. I want to be changed in your presence, Lord. Today, change us, Lord. Speak to us. We thank you for that in advance, Lord. In Jesus' name. Amen and amen. You can be seated. Thank you, worship team. You guys did a great job, as always. We've been talking uh, the last few weeks about uh, God's 
compound names or uh, his eternal attributes, however you want to say it, the way he's revealed himself. We talked about uh, God as uh, Jehovah Jireh, our provider. We talked about God as um, Jehovah Nisi, our banner. We talked about God as Jehovah Shalom, our peace. And, um, and today, uh, this is the first day of Advent. And honestly, I have to say, I, I absolutely can never remember which is first, but uh, it's probably peace, uh, but I don't know. Depends on, depends on which uh, version you go by, I think. But, uh, but we're going to talk today about knowing God as Jehovah Roy, and that is uh, our shepherd. And we're going to talk from the 23rd Psalm. You know, sometimes when there's a passage of Scripture that you're real familiar with, because you've heard it a bajillion times, you have a tendency to, to think of all the things that you've already heard about it and know about it. And it's a little challenging sometimes to, to try to see something new. Usually the Lord just reveals something to you, it jumps out, and you don't have to worry about it. But every now and then, you're looking at, at a passage that you've read over and over and over, and you're thinking, what... What do you want to show me out of this today? What's new? And so, I don't know. I, the Lord spoke to me about some things, and I'm hoping it'll be, uh, it'll be a blessing to you. So we're going to read Psalms 23. Most of you could probably quote it. My, uh, my memory ain't so good like it used to be, so I'm going to read it. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely... Goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. <clears throat> so, the whole, the whole chapter is really a description of this relationship with God as our shepherd. Everything that follows that first line is a description of that line. The Lord is my shepherd and then the whole rest of this psalm is about what that means to us as his people. And I think it, it is really profound, and yet it's fairly simple. But when you know the Lord, and he is who he is supposed to be in your life, your relationship with him is as it's supposed to be. He is your provider he is your banner. He is your peace. He is your shepherd. He is the all-existent one. He is your righteousness. He is all those things that you need. And when you have him in your life in that way, you don't have any lack. There is not going to be anything that falls short. I, I think it's really interesting in... When Joshua was leading the children into the promised land, you know, they had, they had all these uh, 
promises of God that he was going to drive out the enemy from before him and they were going to take the land. And, and that is written for our example so that we will understand in this life we are called to take possession of the land. The land is really, it is our lives. God wants us to be in the promised land. He wants us to be the promised land where he can come and dwell in us, be our God. We will be his people. And taking possession is us taking our thoughts captive. It is us taking all of the things that the enemy has distorted and twisted and perverted in our lives and letting God straighten them out and get them lined up right again. And so when Joshua took them in, they, you know, 40 years or whatever there was for the conquest, and then when Joshua was getting old and he was getting ready to die, he said, I, I want to remind y'all that God made these promises to us. And he said, there is not one good thing that God promised that he failed to perform. Not one good thing. That's who God is. He is our shepherd, our provider. And we do not need to have a lack in our life because even those rebellious Israelites going into the promised land, he gave them everything they needed. Sometimes, you know, I think we, we want to judge them kind of harshly and say, man, you know, if God was right there with us in a cloud and a fiery pillar and, and right there doing miracles, you know, we would believe God. We would obey God. We would hear his voice and we'd obey. Not so much because we have his spirit within us and yet we still struggle to obey sometimes i mean we want to we want to obey it's just hard sometimes because uh, we have our flesh and we have fleshly appetites we have desires we have uh, things that haven't been fully redeemed one of the things that we're going to talk about though is that in your, in your knowledge of the Lord as your shepherd, and he is leading you and guiding you, one of the key things he wants to do is restore you. He wants to restore every part of your life. And Psalms 34, 9 through 10 says, O fear the Lord, you his saints. There is no want to those who fear him. The young lions lack and suffer hunger, but those who seek the Lord shall not lack any good thing. There's no reason for you to be lacking the things that God has promised other than it's your own unbelief or your own lack of knowledge. If you don't know what God has promised you, it's kind of hard to claim it. And if you don't believe uh, in a way that is responsive to God, then you're probably not going to receive it. If you kind of believe, then you're going to kind of get what you're asking for. If you really believe, you're probably going to receive if you don't know that God has made you promises, then you're not even going to know what to ask for. And so our responsibility is to know enough about what God has said and enough about who God is that we would expect him to be God in our lives. Hebrews 6 says <clears throat> that those who come to God must believe that he is. He's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. I mean, he, you got to believe that he is able to do what he said, and you got to know what he said. If you don't do either one of those, then you're not going to experience his, his full provision in your life. So God's provision, Matthew 6, says, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all those things will be added to you. The things he's talking about is food and clothes and uh, provision, daily stuff. 
all the normal everyday life stuff, the stuff that we fret and work so hard all of our lives trying to make sure we've got enough money to buy food and pay our rent and clothes and keep up with the Joneses and all the stuff that we do. You know, if we just keep our attention on the Lord, focus on Him, have our hearts set on Him, all that other stuff would take care of itself because He will provide for us. We don't have to have any lack because His provision is enough. So he talks about, as a shepherd, he leads us into green pastures and calls us to lie down. <clears throat> Ezekiel 34, verse 14, and this is, if you read the whole chapter in context, God is saying, I'm really sick of you shepherds. And he's talking about his leaders, his people that were supposed to be priests and prophets, people who were supposed to be leading his people. He said, I am just had it up to here with you, and you've been taking advantage of the flock. Instead of feeding them and taking care of them, you've been abusing them, and, and I'm tired of it. I'm not going to put up with it anymore. And then this is what he said is going to start happening. He says, I will feed them in good pasture, talking about the sheep, and their folds shall be on the high mountains of Israel. There they shall lie down in a good fold and feed in rich pasture on the mountains of Israel. And I will feed my flock, and I will make them lie down, says the Lord God. And he's not going to do it with a rod, beating them and yelling at them. He's going to lead them to a place where they can be nourished, they can be safe, they can be happy, they can be fulfilled. And when he says, this is it, they're just going to lie down. If you're around animals very much, you know that they like, they like to eat the good stuff. You know, cows and horses, they like to eat green pasture. Now, they'll, they'll eat hay, they'll eat all kinds, of, but you put hay and green out there, they're mostly going to go for something green, at least, at least some of the time. They need the other to keep them healthy, but, but if you think about this in context, where Israel is and the type of, the type of terrain that it is, most of what the sheep were in, was, it wasn't green pastures. It was desert. It was arid. There were, there were places that they had to scrounge a little bit. But then as the good shepherd, it says that he would lead them into the green pastures. He'd lead them to the good stuff. God knows exactly what you need. He knows what's best for you. He knows where it is. He knows how to provide it. Our job is just to let him lead us to it. You try to figure it out on your own, and you're going to be frustrated. Been there, done it. You try to figure it out on your own, you're going to be frustrated. But when you trust him and let him lead you, you'll end up in the right occupation. You'll end up in the right relationships. You'll end up with the right husband and wife. You'll end up with, you know, but when you try to do it on your own, then not so much. We, we have a lot more problems. But when we let him lead us, and it's hard sometimes, I understand, especially when you're young, because you want what you want. And you have a tendency to think, you know, I've got to have this. This is what I've got to do. I've got to have this. And the Lord is saying, if you just wait, I've got something perfect for you. No, I'd rather just have this right now. We need to learn to be patient. Let the Lord lead us and guide us instead of doing it all in our own knowledge and our own strength. Let him lead us to the right place where he can make us satisfied and fulfilled. And then he says, I'm going to... Leads you to the still waters. Matthew 11, 
Jesus said, Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden. I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. The still waters speak of waters of rest. It's a place where you can come and you can hang out. Cool, refreshing water. You know, when you're in the desert, it's kind of nice to go to the watering hole. Now, if you're an alcoholic, you don't need to go to the watering hole. But if you're, if you're a normal person and you're working hard, you want some refreshment. You want to drink some water. You need to drink water. You need to, you need to keep your body hydrated. If you're going to be healthy and happy, you need to keep your body hydrated. Oh, how about this? If you want to be healthy and happy spiritually, you better keep your soul hydrated. You better be feeding and eating and drinking and fasting and enjoying all the different things about God's Word, God's presence, be with Him. Let Him fill you with His Spirit and with all the good things that He's pouring out in your life. The Bible is filled with stories and examples where it's a physical story telling us about something that we can see and understand, but there's a spiritual meaning behind it. Jesus spoke in parables. He told stories that people could understand. That's what this is. The David, David wrote this psalm, and he said, The Lord is my shepherd. And everybody, everybody in that time period knew about shepherds. They understood what that meant. They understood. They might not be a shepherd, but I guarantee you, they probably ate some lamb or, or uh, goats or, or cows or something that came from the, from the shepherds and the, and the people who, who pastured animals. And so everybody understood what this means. You should not have a lack because God wants to lead you into the good green places to lie down and to feed the still waters, the places of rest where we can be refreshed. And he wants to restore us. He said, he restores my soul. That word restores means to turn or to turn back. So God wants to restore us. Not exactly like Adam and Eve were at the creation, but he wants to turn us back where that we are more like the original created people were. He wants to restore our soul. Everything that has been lost in the fall, everything that's been messed up and twisted and perverted in our lives, God wants to restore it. He wants to bring it back into alignment with his original purpose and intent in our lives. He wants to turn us back to more like we were created to be. And we're not going to get there perfectly in this life. But we shouldn't just say, well, why try? Because I can't be perfect. Let's let him turn us back and turn us back. Turn us back until we become more and more like he intends for us to be. It's a work in progress. We're always in progress. God is working in us to turn us back and restore us so that we're not messed up and broken, but we're healed and we're whole. I don't want to be a bunch of, a bunch of pieces laying on the ground. I want to be whole. The only way that happens is if you let God restore you. And you can resist, and you'll just be broken. But if you start submitting yourself, saying, Lord, I want to be restored. Here I am. Restore me. Heal me. I know I have areas in my life that are broken, areas in my life that are out of alignment with, with you, areas in my life that I've been stubborn, I've been strong-willed, areas in my life that I need to change. Here I am. Would you, would you turn me? 
return me back. Restore me. He restores my soul. Well, that, that has a huge uh, meaning and ramification in our life, that, that he restores our soul, because when he restores our soul, then we begin to see everything differently. It's not the same stuff. When, when we see a circumstance and a situation now with a restored soul, it changes the way we look at it. And as we go forward, think about that, because it starts talking about all the other things in life that we experience, and that restored soul gives us the opportunity to see all that in a different light. He wants to restore our soul. He wants to turn us back. It's a process. And our, our responsibility is to submit to the process. You don't have to do it. You just have to submit to it. You have to be willing to let him do it in you and through you and for you. Give yourself over to it. When we say, you know, be in submission, <clears throat> that word in the Bible, it means to be orderly arranged beneath. And so I'm praying that every day for myself. Lord, I'm submitting to you. I want to be orderly arranged under you. I want my life, all the chaotic disarray, I want it to come into an orderly arrangement and all be under you so that you have control over my life. You can lead me and guide me. I'm not just doing my own thing, doing whatever I want, whatever comes to my mind. That's the problem is that we're impulsive and we just do whatever. You know, an idea comes in our head. Yeah, that sounds like good. Oh, do that. And, and then something else comes in, and then you're flitting one way and flitting another way. And, and the Bible says that if you're like that, like a, like a wave that's driven by the wind, you're, you're not going to have anything going right in your life because you're, you're going to be just following after everything except the one true God and the thing that he's trying to do in your life. We need to let him restore us and guide us. He wants to lead us to the good places. And believe me, he knows where the good places are better than you do. You think you know, but he really knows. Isaiah 49.10 says, They shall neither hunger nor thirst, neither heat nor sun shall strike them. For he who has mercy on them will lead them. Even by the springs of water he will guide them. God knows where to lead you to. God knows where to take you where you can be fulfilled and satisfied. You're not going to get there on your own. You can try, but it's not going to work. God wants to comfort us. Isaiah 40, verse 11, says, He will feed his flock like a shepherd. He'll feed you like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs with his arm, carry them in his bosom, and he will gently lead those who are with young. That's a pretty descriptive verse talking about how a shepherd cares for his flock you, you have a little lamb and the flock is moving the little lamb can't keep up the shepherd can pick him up pick the little lamb up and walk with him love on that little lamb you know i mean the end result the end result you know i think about this as a, as a sheep you know, i mean sheep are they're raised to be eaten but the but the fact is the shepherd he has a heart for those sheep because it represents his sustenance it represents everything that he is trying to accomplish in life and so he loves those sheep he's trying to take care of those sheep because he wants them to be healthy and whole he wants to get the most money he can for them or or get the best meat that he can for them. he wants everything to be perfect in those sheep's life 
God has the same thing in mind for us. He wants us to be successful and happy and whole and blessed. And we're not going towards a butcher shop. We're going towards glory. With him, it's a different end than mine. But it's the same idea, though, that he wants the very best for us all the time. And we're looking at our lives and we're thinking, how can good come out of this? And God is saying, I've got something so good that's going to happen because you're going through this experience. If you just get your eyes off your problem, get your eyes on, on the end result, you're going to see that my glory is awaiting you. <clears throat> and that's what you ought to be looking forward to. <clears throat> Excuse me. In the valley. So I'm going to read you this passage out of Job and, and uh, probably sing you a little song afterwards. Job 3. After this, Job opened his mouth and he cursed the day of his birth. He wasn't having a good day at all. Job spoke and he said, May the day perish in which I was born, and the night in which it was said, A male child is conceived. May that day be darkness. May God above not seek it, nor the light shine upon it. May darkness and the shadow of death claim it. May a cloud settle on it. May the blackness of the day terrify it. As for that night, may darkness seize it. May it not rejoice among the days of the year. May it not come into the number of the months. Oh, may that night be barren. Make no joyful shout come unto it. Gloom, despair, and agony on me. Whoa! Deep, dark depression, excessive misery. So, if it weren't for bad luck, I'd have no luck at all. I mean, Job was, he was having a bad time. And he would say, man, it'd just be better if I wasn't even born. Have you ever felt like that? Maybe not quite to that extent, but it's like, wow, you know, if it weren't for all the bad things happening, I'd be plumb bored. You know, nothing, nothing's going on except bad. So in the, in the 23rd Psalms, though you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, and that's like the really dark, deep darkness, the scary part of the valley, the part of the valley that the, the wolves hang out in, the part of the valley that you're afraid to go through because you know bad things can happen in that part of the valley. But it says that he's going to lead you through that valley. He doesn't leave you in the valley. He doesn't leave you to the wolves. He leads you through the valley. So we don't need to be all fearful and discouraged in thinking about all the bad things. We need to be thinking about the good things. Jeremiah 2, verse 6. This is, um, this is God talking about the children of Israel in the, when they were in the wilderness. Neither did they say, Where is the Lord who has brought us up out of the land of Egypt, who led us through the wilderness, through a land of deserts and pits, through a land of drought and the shadow of death, through a land that no one crossed and where no one dwelt? God's able to lead you through the desert. He's able to lead you through the, the valley of the shadow of death. He's able to lead you through the stuff that no one else can inhabit, no one else can see the benefit in, no one else can, can think they're going to make it through, but God can lead you through it because he knows you and he knows what's on this side of the valley and he knows what's on that side of the valley. He knows the beginning, he knows the end, he knows the end from the beginning. And so he can lead you in the places that you need to go so that you'll be satisfied. And in that valley, our normal tendency is to be fearful. But God can comfort us in our fear. 
We don't have to be fearful. Psalms 27, verses 1 through 5. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked came against me to eat up my flesh, my enemies and foes, they stumbled and fell. Though an army may encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war may rise up against me, in this I will be confident. One thing I have desired of the Lord, and that will I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in His temple. For in the time of trouble, He shall hide me in His pavilion. In the secret place of His tabernacle, He shall hide me, and He shall set me high upon a rock. So when you're going through the valley and it's dark up there ahead and all the shadows and all the scary things that hang out in the shadows, the Lord is leading you through that and He is saying, do not fear because I'm with you. And there is nothing that is too difficult for me. There's nothing too hard for me. There's nothing that I don't know about. There's nothing I can't handle. Would you just walk with me and let me lead you? And I promise you, we're going to get through this valley. That's the way the Lord leads us. But we have to trust Him. Because if you see the dark shadows ahead, and you, and you get fearful, and you say, I don't want to go. I'm not going to go. Then you're not going to get to the other side. And for the rest of your life, you're going to be standing there looking at those dark shadows. And they're never going to get any better. They're never going to go away. You're never going to go past those dark shadows. And you know, everybody in this room right now, you have some dark shadows. I mean, there are things in your life, you're, you're thinking about things. How am I going to navigate through this? How is this going to work out? But when you get through that, you're going to be going, woohoo, man, it's all great. Guess what? There's going to be some more dark shadows. Because there's always going to be some dark shadows ahead of you because we have to learn to conquer our fears and we have to learn to trust the Lord. We have to keep going because He wants to lead us into the paths of righteousness for His namesake. It doesn't, he doesn't want us to stay the same way we've always been. He wants to lead us into a new, a new life that is for us because our souls have been restored and we're walking on a new path. We're on a different journey now. We're not in the same we're not on the same path that we always were before. We're not the same anymore because we've been changed from the inside out. And because we've been changed, we're going to a different destination. And the way we have to go to get there is different than the way we've gone in the past. And you can't recall from fear and say, I'm not going through the shadows because I'm afraid. You've got to go through the shadows. You've got to go through that valley. But you can do it because He's with you. And His rod and His staff comfort you. They're right there with you. They comfort you. Even though you're right in the middle of the dark valley, even though you're right there where all the scary stuff is, He comforts you. He comforts you. He wants to give you comfort while He is directing you and correcting you. <clears throat> the rod and the staff, they were shepherd's tools. The rod was the, it was the shepherd's hook. You know, you see it in the cartoons and all that, you know. Uh, sometimes you need to get the hook after me, you know. It's time to shut up, you know. <clears throat> but the hook, 
was a, it was a tool that they used to direct the sheep. They didn't hit them, they didn't beat them, but they would lean on it. They could lean on it and they could watch the sheep. They could use it to help walk through uh, rough terrain. And so the shepherd would lead the sheep and they would talk to him and they would sing. And the sheep would know the shepherd's voice. And a lot of times, different shepherds and different flocks would come together and they'd all come together and they would be together. And then the next day or that afternoon when it was time to go back out in the pastures, the shepherds would begin to talk or begin to sing and they would just walk. And as they walked, the sheep would follow the shepherd because they recognized his voice. They understood who he was. They would follow him because they trusted the shepherd. But those, the rod and the staff, one is for comforting the sheep with, and one is a club to beat away the predators with. The rod and the staff, they were, they were tools of the trade. So if you're a shepherd, you have those tools. If you're a sheep, they bring comfort to you because you know that God is going to lead you. He's going to take you to the good places, the safe places, the safe places where you can rest and lie down and you can be refreshed. He's going to protect you from the predators. He's not going to let the wolves get you because his rod and his staff are going to comfort you. They're going to protect you. But that, in our lives, it means he is bringing correction and direction into our lives all the time. And you can rear up and you can bow up and you can say, no, I don't want that. And then you're just going to be the same way that you've always been. And I was like that for a number of years. And there was a part in my life that, that I had never been willing to deal with. And one day, some circumstances in my life came about that caused me to reevaluate everything. And I said, you know, I'm just going to try this. I'm going to try submitting myself to the Lord and see what happens. And instead of rebelling and instead of resisting the, the rod and the staff, I said, okay, I'm just going to let you lead me and I'm going to let you rescue me. I'm going to let you take me where I need to go and I'm going to submit to you and your leadership and your authority. And when I did that, God changed everything. But the circumstances didn't change for a while, but my heart changed instantly. And when my heart changed, the circumstances didn't even matter anymore. That's why I talk about that a lot, because I, it, is, it is so important that you understand your, your circumstances may be awful and oppressive and, and challenging and difficult and scary and you know, all the other ways you can describe them. But if your heart is focused on the Lord, and you understand that He is not going to leave you or forsake you. He's not going to let you get eaten by the wolves. He's not going to leave you in the middle of the valley in the darkness. He's not going to do you like, like some mean older sibling that, hey, let's go outside, and then they take you out there and throw you out in the darkness and run off and leave you, and you're out there shaking in fear. God doesn't do that. He doesn't leave us or forsake us. He is there with us. Oh, I got two older siblings here. Huh. <laughs> What do you know about that? <laughs> I'm not thinking of any particular thing, although there were plenty of them. <clears throat> but you know, there's always, there are always circumstances in our life that can be scary. God wants to lead us through those circumstances. He doesn't want us to be afraid. And we don't have to be afraid. The reason we're afraid is because we don't know everything. 
So you have to walk by faith, not by sight. You don't know everything. You can't see everything. So when you trust the Lord, He knows everything. So you can trust Him and you cannot be afraid because you know that He's got it under control. If you just walk with me, come on, walk with me. I got this. I know right where I'm going. I've been there before. I can see the end. I can see the other side of the shadows. I know where we're going. Come on, let's go. But you have to trust. You have to trust. And I understand when you're facing uncertainties, it's real easy to say trust, but doing it is a lot harder. But you can do it. <clears throat> Micah 7, verse 18. Who is a God like you, pardoning iniquity, passing over the transgression of the remnant of his heritage? He does not retain his anger forever because he delights in mercy. He will again have compassion on us and will subdue our iniquities. You will cast all our sins into the depths of the sea. You will give truth to Jacob and mercy to Abraham. She has sworn to our fathers from the days of old. Who is like you, God, pardoning our iniquity? That's why we can trust him, because there's no one like him. He is not like any other person. He's not like any man. He doesn't lie. He doesn't change. He doesn't change his mind. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. We're always, we're always trusting in his unchanging character. And when we do that, we don't have to be afraid because he prepares everything for us. He leads us to the things that he's prepared for us, and he's preparing things for us to lead us to. He's always working for us and through us and, and doing things in advance. While we're going through something here, he's already got it figured out. He is way ahead on down the road with the next thing in line that's going to be a great blessing to us, a great change, a great opportunity for us. And we're sitting there fretting over this little detail right now, and he's got something so big that we can't even comprehend it. We're focused on something negative. God wants us to focus on the good stuff, his preparation. John 6, he said, I'm the living bread which came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. The bread that I shall give is my flesh, which I shall give for the life of the world. God prepares a table for us. And we've already talked about that a little bit today, but God prepares a table for us. And when David was running from his son Absalom, running for his life, 2 Samuel 17, it says he came to a place and some men met him and they brought beds and basins and earthen vessels and wheat and barley and flour and parched grain and beans and lentils and parched seeds and honey and curds and sheep and cheese of the herd and David and the people were with him they could eat at them they said the people are hungry and weary and thirsty in the wilderness God can prepare that table for you in the presence of your enemies in the wilderness where there is no provision, God can still make the provision. David was running for his life. They were hungry. They were thirsty. They were tired. They didn't even know how they were going to survive. And God brought people to them, and they prepared a table for them right there in the presence of their enemies. The presence of their enemies. So we all have people that don't like us, people that... Uh, treat us badly sometimes, 
people that maybe resent you, maybe you've been successful and they haven't been so successful, whatever it might be. There are people that seem to have it out for you or have it in for you, whichever way you want to say that. They, uh, they're, they're trying to do you bad or do you harm. Maybe it's just talking bad about you or maybe it's actually physically doing something to you. But think about this. God wants to prepare a table for you in the presence of your enemies. And what that really means is that you're sitting at a table, big table, think about that, and your enemies are sitting right there with you, and yet you got all the good stuff, and you can eat till you're full, you can be satisfied with your thirst, and you're right there in the very presence of your enemies, but it's okay, because God has prepared the table for you, and those enemies cannot stop you from eating. They cannot stop you from drinking. They cannot stop you from being fulfilled or satisfied. You're right there. They can see you. They're right there near you, but they can't stop what's going on in the very presence of your enemies. Psalm 78. Yes, they spoke against God. David was talking about it. He said, they said, can God prepare a table in the wilderness? Yes, he can. He did. For 40 years, he gave, them, he gave them bread from heaven. He gave them water from the rock. He gave them quail to come in. He gave them everything they needed. Their shoes didn't even wear out. They didn't get blisters on their feet. Everything they needed for 40 years, God prepared a table for them in the wilderness. He can do that with us. Probably will do it in a different way, but he can do it. And then he said, he anoints my head with oil. In Psalms 133, too, he's talking about oil. He said, it is like the precious oil upon the head, running down the beard, the beard of Aaron, running down on the edge of his garments. And you know, I got to say, that doesn't really sound very appealing to me. You know, glug, 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 oil on my head. But in this time period, that was, that was good. That was, that was being blessed. That was being cared for. That was being anointed with oil. It meant that you were special, that you were getting a special treatment. Oil was a, a huge part of their everyday lives. Anointing your head with oil is a sign that you were accepted, and it's also a sign that you were blessed. And, and in our reference, anointing with oil is it's a way to represent the moving of the Holy Spirit in our lives. It's where the power of God comes from. He anoints your head with oil. That means you're experiencing God's presence in your life. He anoints your head with oil, and your cup runs over. Jesus said in John 4, Whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst, but the water that I give him will become a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. And in John 7, he said, He who believes in me... As the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. He wants you to be overflowing. He doesn't want you to be dammed up or stopped up or any other. He wants you to be overflowing. Your cup runs over. So you think about that. You're at the table there with all your enemies surrounding you. Your, your plate's full. You got all you need. And the, the waiter is there. And he's pouring, he's pouring stuff in your cup. And you say, ho, oh, and it's, he just keeps pouring, ho. Oh, he just keeps pouring, ho. Oh, he just keeps pouring. Your cup's running over. Your cup is never going to run out because you take a drink, he pours it full again. 
That drives me crazy at a fancy restaurant when you got one of those goofy people there. Every time you take a drink, you know, I'm putting sugar in it and they're giving it. It's like, would you leave it alone? I had it like I wanted. No. <laughs> over and over and over. But that's like the Lord. He is pouring it out on you. And he, he is not going to stop pouring it out on you. Your cup's going to be overflowing. And you're going to be doing that. And everybody's going to be looking at you, and especially the devil. He's going to be looking at you. He's going to be accusing you. He's going to be lying about you. And he's going to be trying to lie to you, trying to deceive you and trick you, tell you that this is not going to be good. It's not going to work out. Oh, did you just think you're going to have a big meal? You know, they're going to come take your food away before you're through. You ever had that happen? You get up and go to the bathroom, you come back, and they've cleared you. It's like, where did my meal go? I hate it when that happens. So... That's what the devil is telling you, though. He's saying, I promise you, it isn't going to work out like you think. You think you got this big meal and you're going to be satisfied and it's going to all be good, but it isn't going to work out that way. He's always lying to you. Right there in the very presence of your enemies. But God says, I'm going to prepare that table for you and there's nobody that can stop it. I'm going to pour the oil on your head. I'm going to pour the drink in your cup and I'm going to give you food and you're going to be satisfied and it's never going to stop. The flow is never going to stop. You walk with me, I'm going to take care of you. He wants us to be a dwelling place. He wants us to have a place where he can dwell within us. Worship team, you guys can come back. John 15, he says, If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you'll ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit, and so you will be my disciples. As the Father loved me, and I have also loved you, abide in my love. And if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. The last thing from the psalm, he says, Surely, surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. Surely, not maybe, not hopefully, but surely, it is, it is a guarantee. Surely. John 10, Jesus said to them again, Most assuredly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who ever came before me are thieves and robbers. But the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved, and he'll go in and out and find pasture. The thief does not come except to steal, to kill and destroy. And I've come that they may have life and they may have it more abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The shepherd gives his life for the sheep. But a hireling, he who is not the shepherd, one who does not own the sheep, he sees the wolf coming, he leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf catches the sheep and scatters them. The hireling flees because he's a hireling. He does not care about the sheep. But I am the good shepherd and I know my sheep and am known by my own. And as the Father knows me, even so, I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. The Lord is my shepherd, and Jesus is the good shepherd. You know, when David was writing that, it wasn't just some cool thing that he thought up. I mean, this was a prophetic, a prophetic thing that he was writing about Jesus going to come and be the good shepherd. And when Jesus was talking about, I'm the good shepherd, I'm pretty sure he knew exactly what he was talking about because 
He is a descendant of David. He's the one that's going to rule and reign forever. When the Lord is your shepherd, good things happen in your life. There's not a reason that we should have lack. There's not a reason that we should be in fear. There's not a reason that we should be restless or, or uh, overwhelmed with life. There's not a reason that we should have anything except God's favor and blessing and comfort in our lives. I know we've all got problems. Stuff happens. But if you can remember that God's got it under control, keep your eyes on Him, you won't be overwhelmed. You won't be fearful. You won't be overcome. But you can overcome. All the evil in this world, you can overcome that evil with the goodness of God. Amen? Amen. Let's stand and worship.
come and uh, the Lord will speak to you. The Lord will uh, give you direction and change your, your perspective on all that. The difficulties of this life are not, are not meant to overwhelm you. The devil wants to overwhelm you. He wants to drag you down. And Jesus said the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But I've come to give you abundant life. Jesus wants you to know that you can have life abundant. You can have that, that peace, that joy, that hope, the love, all the things that he has laid out before you. He has promised us those things. And he can fulfill whatever he's promised. And so if you'd like special prayer, come. Someone will meet you at the altar. If you don't know Jesus, this could be an opportunity for you to give yourself to him. If you've, you've known the Lord, but you've walked away and you need to, to uh, rededicate yourself and reevaluate where your life is, then this is an opportunity for you to do that. The Lord is, is inviting all of us. He's inviting all of us to follow him. Let him lead us and guide us. He wants to be the shepherd. He wants to restore us. He wants to lead us and guide us into all the abundant life that he has prepared for us. He wants to comfort you in your loss and sorrow, comfort you in your pain, comfort you in your struggles. His rod and his staff are there, and I'm telling you, it is sure. It is sure. It is not a hope or a halfway or a maybe Surely, His goodness and mercy will be with you all the days of your life, and you will dwell in the house of the Lord forever and ever. Amen? Amen.
Lord, thank you for all that you've done this morning. Thank you, Lord, that you are shepherd. We can trust you in all of our needs, all of our, our wants, all of our desires. We can safely trust you to satisfy us, Lord, and I thank you for that. I thank you that, that you have a good plan for each one of us, and it's not a, it is not a crummy or a partial plan, but it's a good plan. You want to give us abundant life. You want to pour it out on us, Lord. Your goodness abounds towards us. We thank you for that. Thank you, Lord. Now seal these words in our heart and let us go out of your chains. Let us see you as our shepherd, the one who is the good shepherd that lays your life down for us so that we can, can know you and have this relationship with you, Lord. Help us to trust you and walk with you wherever you lead, Lord. We want to hear your voice and we want to follow. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and grant you his perfect peace. Go and be blessed. Have a great week. Don't forget uh, Christmas on the Square, Angel Tree, Kirk and Karen are coming. Sign up for the, the meals at the banquet and everything else you're supposed to do. Man, you got a whole list of stuff. Go get her done. God bless you. If you need special prayer, we're still here. And uh, we'll pray with you.